ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 22, verse 30. So the last verse. So if you want to just turn to Acts 23, we're going to begin in the last verse of verse 22 and read through to verse 11 of chapter 23. Acts 22, 30, verses through 23, verse 11. I'm getting confused. I don't usually preach like that, but that's just how the pericopies are falling, and it's kind of nice. It's different. But the title of my message this morning is this, The Encouraging Christ in Discouraging Circumstances. The Encouraging Christ in Discouraging Circumstances. So, if you're there in Acts 22, say word. Word. Fantastic. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Verse 30 of chapter 22, it says this, But on the next day, desiring to know the real, the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Oof. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul, and Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Paul perceived that one part, one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the, Sadduc the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. They said, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if the spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, after that, Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by and said, Now listen, this is what he said. Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing upon your word this morning. We ask God that you would open up our hearts and our eyes to the truth that you have. Help us to be encouraged. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we looked at Paul's story. He stood before the Jews in Jerusalem and, and, and began to give a defense of his story. We talked how we all have a story in which God is working within our lives. No matter where you are today, we all have a story. We all have a testimony of how God's working within our lives. And Paul made that defense. How Paul at one time was, just like the rest of Jerusalem, in favor of hunting down the people of the way of believers, of Christians, imprisoning them, beating them, torturing them, even killing them. 
Paul even, even mentioned how, how, how he stood and held the coats of those who went and stoned Stephen. Paul shared how on the way to Damascus, out of nowhere, on the way of him going to go and hunt down more Christians, Jesus appeared to him. That Damascus Road experience. And Jesus' appearance to him radically transformed his life. Changed him to where God put him on the right path. And we saw last week how Paul's story isn't finished yet, and neither is ours. Why? Because we're still breathing today. We're still alive. We woke up this morning. Our story continues, and our story is to glorify God in all things. So here in this passage, we see Paul's story continuing. The Tribune, who they are part of the Romans, they are trying to keep peace in Jerusalem. That's their role. They want to keep peace. And so they're trying to figure out why the people of Jerusalem want Paul dead. And so what do they do? They take Paul and they take him before the Sanhedrin, before the council. And they want the Jewish leaders to present a case against Paul. Talk to him and figure out why is it that the people of Jerusalem want him dead. So now Paul is beginning to be put on trial. And this is what was prophesied earlier. The Holy Spirit had, had put it on Paul's heart to go to Jerusalem. But even the Holy Spirit was warning Paul and others that Paul was going to encounter persecution. That Paul was going to suffer. But yet Paul still went anyway. He still went anyway. And here he's enduring discouragement. Paul is not a stranger to discouragement. We've, we've seen that over the past year and ten months. We've been in Acts since January of 2020. Paul is no stranger to discouragement. Paul, who every time he walks into a city, he gets run out. Paul, who has been stoned even to the point of death, or they thought he was dead. Paul, who has been chased. People traveled through cities to find him and hunt him down. He's no stranger to discouragement, but here we see in verse 11, we see Christ encouraging him. Jesus says, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Maybe, maybe you've been there. And I know it seems like a, a lot lately we've been talking about discouraging circumstances. As we are walking through Psalm 23 on Wednesday nights, it seems like we're talking about discouraging circumstances. Suffering and trials and tribulation and temptation and pain and, and worry, anxiety, depression, whatever you want to throw out there, it seems like we've been talking about it a lot lately. But I believe that our culture is enduring it a lot right now. You ask any therapist or psychologist or even any medical doctor right now, and they will tell you anxiety and depression is on the rise right now. Suicide rates are on the rise 
right now. People are isolated and afraid and it's getting worse. We live in a world where constantly on TV we're being reminded of people dying. The news is a constant reminder of how bad things are. We look out we, we look out our front door and we're reminded of how bad things are. We live in discouraging times. And we need to be reminded weekly how we can be encouraged with, within these discouraging times. And Paul is dealing with the discouraging circumstance. He is now on trial. And Paul needs to be strengthened. Today's main idea that I've got for you is this. We are encouraged, I'm sorry, the words of Christ bring encouragement in discouraging circumstances. The words of Christ bring encouragement in discouraging circumstances. This is exactly what Paul needed to hear. He had a vision of the Lord standing by him and Jesus encouraging him. Take courage. To hear Jesus, to tell you, take courage. Can you imagine the power we could feel? The strength, the fearlessness. When Jesus looks at us and says, take courage. Don't be afraid. But church, can I tell you? We don't have to have Jesus standing beside us in a vision to tell us to take courage when we have the words of him in this book. Isaiah tells us to fear not, for I am with you. Be not afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That was Jesus. Fear not. Sometimes we need to be reminded of these encouraging words from Christ. Because it brings strength. It brings encouragement in discouraging circumstances. And I know some of you this morning probably, when y'all got here, it was probably the hardest thing for you to do. To walk through these doors. To see other people. To put that smile on your face. Can I be transparent with you? I've struggled a lot lately. To where when you've seen me smile, probably it's been a mask. I've struggled lately. I've been discouraged lately. I've been hurting lately. And a lot of what we've been talking about, Psalm 23 and going through the book of Acts, it's been good for my soul. When I told you this past Wednesday night that I needed Psalm 23 for more than you, I was being completely honest. I need to be reminded that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I should fear no evil because Christ is with me. And even when we are walking through dark times, dark days, when we feel alone and tired and weak and uncertain and afraid, we can be reminded that Christ is with us. I'm jumping ahead in my sermon, so let me go ahead and give you point one. Point one is this. Christ knows our circumstances. Christ knows our 
circumstances. This situation where Paul is, is standing before the Sanhedrin and, and, and he's talking to them and he's providing a defense to them. It is not a surprise to God that he's brought before these people. In fact, this is God's plan in purpose. God wants Paul in this situation. God wants Paul before the Sanhedrin. God wants another time for these Jewish leaders to be shown what the gospel is. But they're going to reject it anyway. But they have no defense. When they stand before God, they cannot say, I did not know about Christ. They had Stephen stand before them and share the gospel. They had uh, Peter and John, I believe, stand before them and share the gospel. And now they've got Paul standing before them and sharing the, the gospel. God is not surprised by our trials and suffering. God is not taken back when we go through hard days. He knows our circumstances. He knows what we're going through. He knows how hard it's going to be. I've heard the saying, and we have to, we have to go ahead and understand that this is not true. But the saying is, God will never give you more than you can handle. That saying is not true. God will give you more than you can handle. Why? Because if he didn't, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need his strength. We wouldn't need his grace. If God never gave us more than we can handle, then we can do life by ourselves. But even Paul talks about in Corinthians how he has been brought so low. And so discouraged that the only way is to lean on God through these times. Church, God knows your circumstances. God knows what you're going through. God knows your heart. He knows what you need. God has already prepared you or is already preparing you through what you're going through. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. Some of you, I do. Because we've talked. You've shared. Some of you, I don't. But God knows what you're going through. God's not surprised by Paul standing before the Sanhedrin. In fact, God has a plan for this. In fact, God tells, or Christ tells Paul in verse 11, take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you did what I sent you to go do. As you testified to them about me, as you've done that, God has a purpose for your circumstances. He's got a purpose for what you're going through, what you're battling. And a lot of times it's so that we can grow stronger and come out of it more holy and more Christ-like. A lot of times God is using our situations to prepare us to minister to others who go through those same things. To prepare us 
For what's in the future? I know that might be a scary thought for anybody in here that's anxious. But God is using our circumstances. He knows what you're going through. And He's going to use it. He's going to use it. Not only does He know our circumstances. Number two, Christ is with us in our discouragement. Christ knows our circumstances. And He is with us in our discouragement. Why? Wednesday nights we've been looking at Psalm 23. And, and, and along with Psalm 23, we're looking at John 10. In John 10, 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Jesus, Jesus knows you. Not just what you're going through, but He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your soul. He knows your deepest needs and your deepest longings. And scary enough, He knows your deepest thoughts and secrets. But He loves you anyway. Not only does He know us, but He's with us in our discouragement. Shepherd don't leave their sheep by themselves. If sheep are left alone, they wander off. Sometimes off a cliff, sometimes within territory of ravenous wolves, sometimes snatched up. And the thing is, as John 10 tells us, that nothing will snatch us out of His hand. Nothing can snatch us out of Jesus' hands. Why? Because He is with us. I love how this is working along with what we talked on Psalm 23 for this past Wednesday night with his rod and his staff. His rod is to beat off enemies, but his staff is to keep us close to him, to guide us and to lead us. Church, Christ, as, as believers, as, as, as part of his sheep, as his children, Christ is with us. Even in our deepest, darkest days. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18, he says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, who in verse 11, after he stood before the Sadducees, after he offended Ananias, and Paul recognized that what he did was wrong. But I love that offense. I know it sounds bad. But when Paul says, God's going to strike you, you whitewashed wall, boy, that was, that was some harsh language. But Paul didn't realize that he was talking to the high priest. To where when, when, they made, when they told him that he was talking to the high priest, he apologized. We don't know if maybe it was because Paul might be going blind right here. This is him being older. Some, some, some commentators talk about he might be going blind here. Some commentators talk about how he was probably in a large crowd and he couldn't tell that it was Ananias who had said something. Paul recognized it. 
the offense that he gave, and then now Paul's like, I've already ticked off this group. And he's being brought back here. Verse 10, when the dissension became violent. I mean, Paul started an argument. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm up here because of the resurrection. Well, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees do not. Sadducees only believe in the first five books of the Bible, where the Pharisees believed in all of the Old Testament. An argument towards Paul, but towards the Sadducees. The tribune brings him out, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them. The tribune commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him to the barracks. Paul is in a jail cell. And he's sitting there. And he's now wondering what's going to happen. Sometimes we think of, when we think of Paul, we think of this super Christian, right? Paul doesn't sin. Paul doesn't struggle. I'm pretty sure right here, Paul's probably got some anxiety going on. Paul's probably wondering, like, what's next? Is my day coming now? Is it almost here? Does it end in Jerusalem? He's probably wondering what they're going to do to him. But Christ comes and stands by him and speaks to him. Church, the presence of Christ is comforting to us. And the word is full of the promises where Christ never leaves us nor forsakes us. Matthew 28, 20, he will be with us to the very end. When God promised Joshua that he will never leave him nor forsake him, that was Jesus promising Jesus who promises that he will be with us. Church, even when you're at your lowest, when you're at your most discouraged, Christ is with us. Paul needed to be reminded of this. The following night, the Lord stood by him. Church, we don't need a vision of Christ standing by us to be encouraged by it. We need to be reminded of the word that tells us that he is with us. No matter how discouraged you may be. I know what it feels like to be alone. I know what it feels like to be scared and it feels like to be dark, you know, in those dark days and dark places. I know what it feels like to be afraid to be alone. Because you want that comfort of somebody there with you. I shared the story this past Wednesday night of when I ran through my grandma's house when I was younger. She had this deep freezer. And the, the front door is almost lined up with the back door. You had to just make a little turn to go through the kitchen and then through the, through the back utility room. And then you hit the back door. And, and me, I think one of my cousins was running through. And, and I'm running through and I turn around real quick. And then I, and when I freeze Right underneath my eye, the corner of that deep freezer hit me. My dad had to rush me to the hospital and get stitches. If I hadn't have hit my growth spurt that summer, I would have lost my eyeball problem. 
but I had a gross burn. But as I'm in the hospital room, and I'm, I'm terrified, I'm, I don't know, five, six, I'm young, and I'm getting stitches put in, I'm scared, I'm crying, I'm screaming, but my dad's holding my hand, and I'm just being reminded by him, I don't have to be afraid, he's right here with me. There's something comforting of having somebody like that with you. Days, we need to be reminded that Christ never leaves us. And when we're suffering and when we're in pain, it's not Christ looking at us and thinking, you deserve this. It's Christ looking at us and having compassion on us. Holding us. Walking us through our trials and our suffering. Christ is there as our comforter in times of discouragement. No matter how dark those days may be. Not only, is, not only does Christ know our circumstances, not only is He with us in our discouragement, number three, Christ is for His glory and His purpose. Christ is for His glory and His purpose. This conversation that Paul had with the Sanhedrin was for God's glory and His purpose. Christ wanted him there. Christ even wanted Paul in the barracks in verse 11. Can I say that? Christ has a purpose for our suffering and trials. We're not promised a life free of pain. As believers, we're not promised a life of prosperity. In fact, we have more promises in the Bible of suffering. <laughs> but we are also promised that Christ will use it for His glory. Romans 8.28 He works out all things for our good and His glory. Understand that your circumstances, your suffering, your trial, your pain, whatever it is you're dealing with, Christ is using it for His purpose and His glory. There's a reason. I say this often here. With Christ, there's no such thing as purposeless suffering. There isn't. With Christ, God, with Christ, He uses our suffering for His purposes. There's a reason. Paul's going through this and what he ends up doing in these prison cells, y'all know what he's doing? He's writing to other churches. In these prison cells, Paul is writing encouraging letters to the church of Philippi, to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Colossae. It's in these prison cells that Paul writes to the Philippians. And he tells them of the joy that they should have. And he tells them that God is using my suffering for his purpose and glory because I am sharing the gospel to the entire Imperial Guard. Because of, because of me being shackled to a soldier 24-7, they ain't got nothing better to do than to hear me preach the gospel to them. They didn't have AirPods back then. 
They can't shut them out. Paul is talking their heads off about how good and great Christ is. Christ is for His glory and His purpose. Verse 11, Jesus tells Paul to take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me here in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Why? Because I have a purpose for you in Rome. You will glorify me there just as you are glorifying me here. Christ is ultimately for his purpose and his glory, church, and we need to understand that. He is sovereign and supreme, and he works out all things so that his purposes may succeed. And Christ does not know how to lose. This is encouraging to Paul because Paul realizes it's not going to end here in Jerusalem. What does this mean? His story isn't over yet. He's now going to Rome for Christ's purpose and glory. And fourthly, finally, lastly, fourthly, Christ is for us and His church. Christ is for us and His church. What is Paul doing here? As he stands before the Sanhedrin, he's sharing the gospel with him. As he's going to be standing before all these other people through the next few chapters, the final chapters of Acts, Paul's going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with people. Christ is placing him in opportunities to build his church. Christ is for us and his church. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What do I mean by Christ is for us? There is nothing in this world that is going to go against you unless Christ permits it. He is for us. Christ is for us. Nothing can be against us when Christ is for us. The only times of suffering and discouragement, only times of pain that will come our way are only Permitted by Christ. Christ is for us. So nothing and no one can be against us. And Christ is for his church. Paul knows this. Paul knows that what he is suffering, that this is this was this is God's purpose. I mean, even 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 uh, Ananias, when when he healed Paul's blindness, told him, "Christ told me to tell you, you're going to suffer greatly for my name." And Paul said, "Okay, 
we must understand that Christ stood on that cross for our sin and shame. He suffered for us on our behalf. He took our payment on the cross so that we may be redeemed and reconciled to a holy God. And if he's willing to stand on that cross for us, then is he not willing to stand by us and with us in the midst of our dark and discouraging days? He has a purpose and a plan. For the believer, healing will always come. Might not be in this life. Might be in the next. But for the believer, healing will always come. And one day we're going to look back on these discouraging days as we're living for eternity in the presence of Christ. And we're going to look back and we're going to think, why was I so worried and anxious? We're going to look back and think how small and minuscule this suffering was that we dealt with. When we stand before a holy God and we're worshiping Him for all eternity. We are encouraged by the words of Christ in discouraging circumstances. So I pray, I ask, through your suffering and discouragement, are you leaning on the words of Christ like Paul is? We're going to see in the next couple of weeks this protection from Christ, this, this, this encouragement from Christ, how it plays out. Because in the next section we see, verse 12, when, it, when it, it was day, this is just right after Jesus made this. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Christ promises you're going to go to Rome and you're going to testify about me. But yet there's people in Jerusalem plotting to kill you. So how do you think Paul feels now? Do your worst. It ain't going to happen. Christ told me otherwise. So church, I pray that you are encouraged by the words of Christ in discouraging circumstances. I pray that you lean on him during dark. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good and gracious and merciful. We thank you for the words that you give us. God, I pray that you would help us when we are suffering and in pain. And God, I pray that you would help us when we are in need of you. Help us to be reminded of your promises that you will never leave us nor, for, nor forsake us. That you are a tower of refuge and strength. Help us to be reminded of the promises that you strengthen us through your grace and your love and your mercy. Help us to be reminded of your promises that you work out all things for our good and your glory. Help us to be reminded of the promises, Lord, that we do not need to be afraid for you are with us. That you are our God, that you will strengthen us and help us and uphold us in your righteous right hand. Help us to be reminded of those words today. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.